Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Nahmaduhu wa nusalli wa nusallimu ala rasulihi al-kareem wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in We look at some of the lives or the lives of some of the great imams in the former times Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Shafi, Imam Malik and their students who also became great imams of their times Why we look at this is of course we follow these people in our mazhabs so it's important to know what type of personalities they had the, the characteristics of these people, the habits, the behavior look at their taqwa and then we can also appreciate the sacrifices they made for the deen for this fiqh that we have to come to us and how we can follow this fiqh we learn from their we, we can imitate some of their habits and their ways. These were great Imams and Allah Ta'ala created them for a purpose. And that purpose is to extract the laws from the Quran and Sunnah. So, for example, when Imam Abu Hanifa Rahimahullah, when he, when he was still a young boy, is when he started off in life he was he was a businessman father passed away so his father left a business a material business so one day he in his time there was a great imam imam sha'bi and he was a muhaddith that means he was an expert a person who was very very uh, experienced and very uh, very well versed in hadith so, Imam Shabi rahimahullah, one day he was, it was raining and he was walking somewhere and Imam Abu Hanifa was still a young boy. So he, when he, Imam Shabi told him, Imam Abu Hanifa was running. Other children, they run, the youngsters run in the rain. So he told him that, uh, my boy, you must be careful, you will fall in the rain, you slip and fall. So he replied, he says, Oh Imam, if I slip and fall, then I'll only hurt myself. But you must be careful, you mustn't slip, because then all your followers will also slip. So Imam Shabi says, look, this youngster, he told him, you must go and learn fiqh. You seem to be a very intelligent person. They say Imam Abu Hanifa, when he was in the maktab, <coughs> remember this maktab that we have, Maktab is that the madrasa where the children learn Alif Ba Ta Ta. This was a thing that came along from the time of the Sahaba. And all those great Imams, and I did mention some of this in the past, Imam Bukhari, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, Imam Shafi'i, they all came through this Maktab system. As we go along, inshallah, we mention this. So when he was still in the Maktab, then he saw a dream. And it didn't make sense to him, but he went to his Ustad and he said, the dream I saw, I was taking sand from the grave of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I was taking sand away. Now, when you see a dream, you must go to someone who can interpret the dream, because a good interpretation will, of course, sometimes influence the outcome of that dream. So his Ustad said that it seems to me that you will take from the Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and that is exactly what happened 
he went on to, to formulate and to found a very great mazhab. Today most of the Muslims in the world follow the Hanafi mazhab. When Imam Malik was asked, now Imam Malik and Imam Abu Hanifa, they lived in the same age, just a few years different. Imam Abu Hanifa was, was born in the year 80 Hijri. That means 80 years after the Hijrat. And Imam Malik was born in the year 96 Hijri. So it's like a 16 years difference. But they became famous in their times. So Imam Malik was asked about Imam Abu Hanifa. Someone asked him that, what is your opinion of Abu Hanifa? So he says, Imam Malik lived in Medina Munawwara and he used to teach in the Masjid al-Nabawi and Imam Malik was more famous for his hadith initially later on from the hadith he took out all the fiqh so he was sitting in the masjid and the person asked him this question so he pointed to the, the pillar of the masjid he says let me tell you about Abu Hanifa he is a man that you see this pillar this pillar is made of concrete but if he tells you this pillar is made of gold He'll prove it to you and you won't be able to answer him. That is the knowledge that he's got and the, the, the intellect that Allah has given him. So these Imams, of course, they, we also see how they interacted with each other. That, for example, Imam Shafi, rahimahullah, when he came and he read Salah in a masjid, which was close to the grave of Imam Abu Hanifa. Now, Imam Abu Hanifa died in the year 150 Hijri. He was born in the year 80 and he died 150, so he lived for 70 years. The same year that he was born, that, that, the same year that he died, Imam Shafi was born, also in the year 150 Hijri. So obviously he never saw Imam Abu Hanifa. So he read Salah in this masjid which was near his qabr, near the qabr of Imam Abu Hanifa. So when he made his Fajr Salah there, Remember the Shafis in the Fajr Salah they make the Qunut. That means in the second rakat, after Ruku, when they come up from Ruku, then they will lift their hands and read Allahumma, Allahumma hadina fi man hadayt wa afina fi man afayt. That is in the Shafi Mazhab. But on that day, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Shafi left out the Qunut. Never made the Qunut in his Fajr Salah. So obviously people were surprised. So they asked him that, Oh Imam, why did you do this? Normally every time you read your kunut, he says, I did it out of respect for the man who lies in that grave. And that is Abu Hanifa. He never made the kunut, so I'm respecting his mazhab. So obviously these were people when they interacted, there was that respect and that love for each other. Even though they had major differences, but their differences were not personality clashes. It was based on the Quran and the Sunnah. And remember, all these mazhabs, they come from Qur'an and Sunnah. It's just a matter of how they interpreted certain things. Imam Abu Hanifa will say, we practice on this hadith. Imam Shafi says, no, in my opinion, this hadith is not an authentic, it's not a strong hadith. I'll take the other hadith. So it's just a matter of their opinion and their ijtihad that they made. But they were entitled to this because Allah gave them that ability to make this ijtihad. When Imam Abu Hanifa started his, his career in studying, Imam Shabi was one of his ustads, and there were others, Imam Muhammad and several others. So he had this business, this cloth business, 
Now he thought to himself, what do I do? I want to study the deen. But I can't close on this business. So he took in a partner. He took in a partner. And he said, look, you run the business. This is, these are the terms. We'll share the profits. And then I can be free to study the deen. So the partner says, well, we'll do that. Of course, in those days, people were quite sincere. Nowadays, it's a risk to take in a partner in your business. So the business ran. And every now and then, Imam Abu Hanifa would come and check on the sales, how the business is functioning, how this person is running the business. So he was going through some of the, the rows of material and he came across one roll that had a tear, had a defect in the material. So he told his partner, look, this year it's a defect, so when you sell it to the customer, point out the mistake, the fault in the, in the, in the material. Point out this, uh, the bad section and if he wants to take it, he can take it or he can leave it, so, but he must know what he's buying. The time went by, after a few weeks, Imam Abu Hanifa came back. Now it shows the concern they had for the deen, not for the business. It worried him, so when he came back after a few weeks, he says, look, that roll of material that had a defect, where is it? So the man said, look, I sold it. Okay, you sold it, did you tell the customer, did you shame the fault? He says, no, I forgot to do it. So he says, inna lillahi wa inna ilayrajin, we made a big mistake, I told you, you never listened to me. Now, how much you sold it for? He gave a certain amount, 400 or 4,000 dirhams. It was an expensive material. So he says, well, take that 4,000 dirhams from the business and give it out in sadaqah. Although it wasn't haram. The money wasn't haram. The sale was valid. It's just a makru thing that you did. But for them, the taqwa, now this is what we speak about taqwa, they did not even allow that makru to enter into their earnings. Another example of the taqwa of Imam Abu Hanifa, they say one day there was a janazah and it was a very hot day, mid-afternoon and in Iraq, in Kufa, this, this is where they say, you know, the heat can be very intense there. So they were waiting for the janazah to come out, proceeding to the Qabristan. So while he was waiting, he was standing in the shade. So standing after a while, he looked at the house and he something occurred to his mind, so he asked someone, whose house is this? So they said, this is the house of so-and-so. So when he heard this, he came out of the shade and he stood somewhere else. He stood in the sun now. So people were surprised, why, why did you now leave the shade and you went to stand in the sun? He says, this man owes me some money. He owes me money. I don't want to take benefit from anything that belongs to him. Because Nabi said, كُلُّ قَرْضٍ جَرَّ نَفْعًا فَهُوَ حَرَامٍ One hadith sharif says, كُلُّ قَرْضٍ جَرَّ نَفْعًا فَهُوَ riba." That every loan that brings you a benefit, it is riba, it is haram. For instance, if you owe me money, then I can't, if we don't know each other, and we only know each other in the business field, so you took money from me, or you bought something and you owe me the money, I can't take a gift from you. It's not permissible to take benefit from anything of yours, take a gift, now you give me a gift, you give me this, that falls under riba, because you give me that gift because of the qarz, the loan that you took from me. Yes, it's a different matter when we're friends for before and we always exchange gifts and now you owe me some money, that's a different matter.
So, as I said, that we learn from the taqwa of these people. At least we can't maybe do that, but the basic things in our dealings, in our lives, we must try and avoid. When one of the students of Imam Abu Hanifa, he was Imam Muhammad bin Hassan al-Shaybani rahimahullah. And he was from a wealthy family. And when he came to learn by Imam Abu Hanifa, his, his mother, had, his father passed on, but his mother brought him to Imam Abu Hanifa. He was 11 years old. So when he came to learn, Imam Abu Hanifa asked him that, tell me, are you a hafiz of the Quran? First he asked him that, what do you want to learn? He says, I want to learn fiqh. That was the very famous thing in those days, fiqh. So he says, are you a hafiz? He says, no, I'm not a hafiz of Quran. So he shook his head, he said, sorry, I can't teach you. You must be a hafiz if you want to do the fiqh. So you go and do your hips. And he didn't even say that, okay, come, I'll teach you your hips. You go and do the hips somewhere and come back to me. Now, if you're really interested to come learn fiqh, you'll do that. So he was 11 years old. He went back, and in 14 months, he did the hips of the Qur'an al-Kareem. And he came back after 14 months, so it shows how sincere he was. He came back and says, right now, I'm a hafiz of the Qur'an, and if you don't believe it, you can test me out anywhere in the Qur'an. So Imam Abu Hanifa says, well, very well. Then he explained him, he says that we, our fiqh comes from Qur'an and the hadith of Nabi Wasallam. So if you don't know the Qur'an, how are you going to locate the verses of the Qur'an where the laws of fiqh are mentioned. Then another unique thing, as I said, that Imam Muhammad was 11 years old. So he was a young lad, he had no beard. So Imam Muhammad told him, look, you're still young, you've got no beard. You mustn't sit in front of me. When I teach my fiqh, there were other students, many other students. You sit on the side here, don't mix with the other students, because he was still a young boy. And after a few years later, when he started having a beard, then he said, now you can join the other students. So this was the care that they took and the taqwa that these people had. And we make dua that Allah, through the barakat of these people, Allah give us that proper understanding of deen. Subhanallah.